1: contains mature content. The views and opinions expressed by the co host are not necessarily those of the host. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to the podcast that takes you back to a time when it was still called pro wrestling before it was known as sports entertainment. This is Return to Wrestling, and I am your host, the Warden, Matt Ritter. I am here with my co-host, Sir Cussela, Travis Pointer. What's yes, happening? No- and uh, Travis, this is week four. Or, it's our fourth episode, but and uh, the fourth pay-per-view, not necessarily week four. We're actually going to cover about Five weeks of uh, WCW, this episode. how much WCW. <laughs> and uh, let me just start off by saying I had no idea what the fuck was going on for five weeks. When we last left you, the big storyline was Hulk Hogan and the Dungeon of Doom. And Randy, Macho Man Randy Savage, winning the WCW World Heavyweight Championship at World War Three. And Hulk Hogan being pulled under the rope and not being out. None of that gets resolved in five weeks and another pay-per-view.
0: Well, you know, he's suspended.
1: so <laughs> We're going to talk about that. And the lines are blurred. You don't know who's what, where, when, why, or how. Nobody likes each other, but everyone's friends. It all makes no fucking sense.
0: Just hold on, Matt. We'll get there. We'll
1: get there. All right. We're gonna jump right in with Week 13. Uh, when we last left Johnny B. Bad, aka Mark Marrow and Diamond Dallas Page, Johnny B. Bad had not only retained his television championship but won the services of the Diamond Dow Kimberly Page. Uh, yeah, we now see that she is managing Johnny B. Bad. He has a rematch with DDP. Uh, DDP brings down flowers, and after he gives them to Kimberly Page. Uh, he cheap shots Johnny B. Bad to start the match. Um, there's a chain hidden inside the flowers that Kimberly finds. She tosses them into the ring, and it's unclear if she was throwing them to DDP or to uh Johnny B. Bad. But Mr. Bad gets the chain, clocks DDP, gets the win, and runs off with his wife. Yeah, yeah. Um, This is actually a continuing thread, which I'm impressed with because something I've noticed watching this last five weeks and actually all of this, uh, these last four months of WCW pay-per-views, rarely are the tag team titles, the television title or the U.S. title or any stories involving them featured on Nitro. Yeah, it's weird. That'll change. Um, Also... We got introduced the to thing,
0: the thing. yeah. Those aren't featured, but they, de- they defend the world title like every week. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, no, we'll talk about that too. Um, so here's the thing: we're going into Starcade, and Starcade takes place on a Wednesday, two days after a Christmas Day edition of Monday Nitro. Yeah. Um, the big deal about Starcade is supposed to be that it is WCW versus New Japan in the World Cup of Wrestling. Yeah. But other than Jushin Thunder Liger, who showed up on the first episode of Nitro, and Kensuke Sasaki, who in Japan for some weird show beat Sting to become U.S. champion, we see no New Japan wrestlers that are going to compete at this tournament. We have no real build or anything for this World Cup.
0: Well, we also point out, though, of all those, from what I remember, the only one that actually, like, sticks around after this is Yushin Thunder Like If I remember correctly, he's the only one that actually sticks around after this.
1: Well, Sasaki's the U.S. champ, so he's got to stick around to at least lose well,
0: that. I stick around, I mean, like, once this is all over, like, I'm talking like a year from now, he'll still. Okay.
1: Because uh, Sonny Ono is a good friend of Eric Bischoff's. They had a good relationship. They brought in this talent. But, like I said, the build for p- your, your granddaddy of them all, your WrestleMania... You're, it's Starcade.
0: Starcade was WrestleMania before WrestleMania, you know, and that was the thing that their thing was, you know, we're going to do this new thing this year because they hadn't done this before. We were going to do this whole thing of the US versus Japan, their best versus our best, even though our best didn't include Hulk Hogan because he's suspended for some reason, even though he's supposed to be our top guy, so he's really not going against our best, but we're going to say it's against our best.
1: And yeah this face mm-hmm, i see they, it. they use their best minus one guy we'll talk about that when we get to the pay-per-view my issue is other than mentioning it a few times leading up to Starcade, and it's just the announcers mentioning it there is no talk of a world cup there's very little talk of new japan
0: speaking of things they talk about ahead of time i don't know if you got this in your notes i'm sure you do because i know you by now this triangle match. Oh no,
1: we'll talk about that.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. I've got that because I'm just making sure that we're gonna have a thorough discussion about what a triangle match is and what,
1: well, what, what what's,
0: everybody who was watching this thought this triangle match was going to be. Go let's
1: continue with week 13 because the triangle match doesn't actually get mentioned until week 14. That's fine. Go ahead. And we won't discuss the specifics of the triangle match until we actually get to the triangle match. You know why? Because we didn't find out what the fuck a triangle match was until right before the fucking match started. So, (laughs) apparently, Dusty Rhodes and everyone, I'm going to, no, I'm getting off. All right, back to Nitro.
0: Stay on on course. I threw you off. My bad.
1: Episode 13, um, Kevin Sullivan wants to know, what's the deal with Lex Luger and Sting? Uh, He's questioning Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart tells him they're friends. Don't worry about it. I got this. This is a continuing thread that is going to annoy the fuck out of me for the next four weeks, where they keep asking the same question and giving the same fucking answer, and apparently it's not good enough. What's the deal with Lex Luger and Sting? I
0: am about to say, it sounds pretty cut and dry to me. Lex Luger and Sting are friends. Lex does some fucked up shit, but, you know, Sting like, yo, that's my boy, so whatever. I don't like that fucked up shit he does, but
1: he's still my boy. Which is how I feel about you, so I get it. Like, yeah. I'm Sting, you're Lex Luger. I understand this. Yeah. Um, we had a rematch for the uh the Japanese women tag team match that we had at World War Three. There was a rematch on Nitro. This was also an excellent fucking match. Go ahead. This
0: match included an instance of a new little thing I like to call Bobby Heenan said. Because in this thing, I've I've taken notes and I've just written down a few things. But this time, it's I think it's two things within these. F- four weeks for five weeks or whatever that Bobby Heaton said, and I'm just like, did you fucking say that on television? So during this match, name the competitors in this match. I'm sure you have it written down.
1: Uh, Cutie Suzuki, Bull Nakano, and then I didn't actually write it down. I just wrote down those rematch. I know those two. Uh, Mayumi something.
0: It's fine. It's fine, because in this match, I believe Bobby Heaney was referring to Bull Nagano when he said, and I quote, I think she's kind of pretty in an Oriental sort of way. What the <laughs>
1: fuck does that mean? <laughs> Dude, really? What the fuck, Bobby? <laughs> well, Travis, you got to remember, and it's funny because my wife and I were having a conversation about this. Um, this was a time like, Okay, so our generation looks at past generations and we're like, how could you possibly just walk around and openly call someone the N-word and just be okay with it? Like, it's no big deal, right? But back then, it wasn't a big deal. It was the norm. Our generation grew up with rappers like Eminem who used homophobic slurs that may slip out from some time. And people of the generation after us will look at us and be like, how can you say that and just think it's okay when it's not? Well, that's how we grew up. And when we grew up, you know, you'd say it, no one gave give a shit. Like, it was just normal conversation. Back in 1995, it was okay to refer to Asians as Orientals or insinuate that she's pretty foreign Oriental or she's, she's pretty poor.
0: It's not the fact that he called her Oriental, because I think that's weird. But if they say that's not good, then okay, I won't call you that. But my thing is, even though right up the street there's this place called the Oriental Market, where Asians work, by the way. But um, they own it and everything. But anyway, that's not the thing. But what you just said afterwards was that she's cute in an Oriental kind of way. Like, what the
1: fuck Well, I'm glad you brought this up, because as we go through these weeks, there are not just Bobby Hina. There are many instances of, in 2018, going back to 1995 – How the fuck could you have said that on TV phrases? And I want to explain to those of you who may be younger, who, as we talked about, weren't around for pay phones and collect calls and the early instances of the internet and things that we explained to you, that in 1995, a lot of the stuff you hear that makes you say, what the fuck, was actually just normal talk back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just... It's not right. We don't agree with it, exactly. but it was just how people talk. The
0: exactly. thing is, and Bobby Heenan is the worst of them all. That's my point. Like he just says whatever the fuck pops into his head, and it's so fucking funny because it's so fucked up.
1: So uh, as I was saying about this uh, women's tag team match, it was another great match. We had the same outcome. Bully Nakano's team won again. Uh, then we roll over into Hogan taking on the debuting. Hugh Morris, who is the newest member of the Dungeon of Doom. Now, if you've listened to the last three episodes, you know that I have an utter hate for both Hulk Hogan and the Dungeon of Doom and everything that goes on with this. The one bright spot that I have found in these last five weeks of Monday Nitro and Starcade is that the Dungeon of Doom has all but disappeared after Hugh Morris debuts. You get a little bit of Kevin Sullivan, the giant shows up, but the dungeon of doom is pretty much gone leading into Starcade.
0: Speaking of Hugh Morris, those of you who watched WCW longer, got into like you know the 2000s with WCW, will remember that Hugh Morris started going by General Rection. And if you don't know, his full name was General Hugh, as before Hugh G, as in the initial G, Rection. That was his name, General Hugh G-Rection. And ladies and gentlemen, that might just be my favorite thing that ever came out of WCW.
1: But go ahead. Uh, Hogan obviously beats Hugh Morris, uh, who is, like I said, the newest member of the Dungeon of Doom because it's Hogan and we can't let a guy making his debut beat Hulk Hogan, especially a member of the Dungeon of Doom, which I don't disagree with, though. Fuck Hulk Hogan. Um. Then the Macho Man comes down. He has an interview about the finish of World War III with me and Gene. Hogan has to come down and interrupt because he was screwed at World War III in his opinion. He refers to the Macho Man as brother friend, which I thought was very interesting. Like that, that really stuck out to me, and I had to make a note of that because he calls everyone brother. But to distinguish between every other brother and this brother, this is brother friend.
0: Yeah, man, that's the that's a, that's a, next level. You know, you got brother right here. But then you got brother friend up here, you know.
1: So they go to the tape from World War Three, and just before Hulk Hogan gets pulled under the bottom rope, it goes to static. He has a shit fit. Macho man does what I think everyone else would have done and been like, listen, man, I understand what you're saying, but I didn't see it. And the tape didn't show it. Don't know what to fucking tell you. Like
0: you know what's crazy about that? Because let's 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 go back. Let's rewind back to the days of only pay-per-view in these early days. Pay-per-views also had encore presentations. So, and this, these, these encore presentations occurred after the next night, like, you know, like Wednesday or Thursday or whatever. You can pay to watch it later. And you would see it. So getting that footage would not be difficult if they actually, like, said, you know, let's just watch it.
1: <laughs> what would have been amazing is if on all of the encore presentations, they obscured the ending.
0: That would be funny. That would
1: have be been great. I wish I I wish I had that information. Uh, the Giant comes I down.
0: I guarantee you they didn't do
1: that. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I can clearly tell at this point, 1995, that WCW does not think that far ahead or put that much thought into shit. <laughs> um, the Giant comes down to attack both men. Sting comes down to make a save, but he's unsuccessful. And then uh, Hogan hands out literally the worst chair shots to the Giant, that I have ever seen in my fucking life. He's holding the chair like this and just going like this. He is not hitting him. He's not holding it like, he's holding the sides. He's not holding the legs. He's holding the sides and he's just kinda not even hitting. It was the worst fucking chair shot I've ever seen in my life. I
0: mean, is it his fault or is it Giants fault for not really knowing how to take a chair shot? So they had
1: like- Travis, the way he held the chair, I don't give a fuck if you are goddamn Shawn Michaels you are not taking that chair shot, believably. He's literally holding the sides and just pushing it at him. Man, like, he's he not was, swinging.
0: What I'm saying is maybe he did it that way because the Giant doesn't know how to take a chair shot to the head. So they were just like, yo, let's just do something. He that wasn't way- even hitting him
1: in the head. He was hitting him in the shoulder. He could have hit him in the back. He could have hit him anywhere.
0: Mm, but, like, he doesn't know how to really take a chair shot. I'm like, yo, just kind of push him with it. We'll just sell it on commentary.
1: <laughs> it was garbage. Hogan – is garbage and this isn't the first instance well this is the first instance but there's more awful hulk hogan coming up soon
0: do you know that do you really know that because you said you weren't watching wc
1: no i'm talking about on this on this podcast <laughs> there's some fucking big boots we're going to talk about that came later that looked almost as bad if not worse than these fucking chair shots but Put anyway
0: hulk in his boots
1: all right no dude it was garbage um then we go to Sting and Luger versus Arn Anderson and Brian Pillman. So there are four horsemen Brian Pillman, Chris Benoit, the enforcer Arn Anderson, and Ric Flair. Until Starcade, you never see Chris Benoit with any of the other horsemen. Everything is either Arn and Brian, Arn and Flair, Brian and Flair, or the three of them together. Benoit is the black sheep. I was hoping that there would be no collusion with them at Starcade, so that way I could just talk about how Chris Benoit is the non-existent member of the four horsemen. He's only a horseman by name.
0: I believe during that time there may have been some heat between Benoit and Pillman.
1: Possibly. I believe that's what was happening. I might be
0: making that up, but I feel like I remember hearing something about that a few years back.
1: I know that there was heat between uh, Benoit and Kevin Sullivan because Benoit's wife, Nancy, a.k.a. woman, used to be Kevin Sullivan's wife. I remember that as well. Um, All right. So, anyway, we have this match in the main event. Um, They make it look like Luger may or may not, and the announcers assist us in this, have shoved Brian Pillman off the top rope into Sting because we're still not clear as to whether they're friends or if Luger's working an angle or what's going on with Sting and Luger. Um, Flair runs down. Hogan then runs down to save Sting because it's now a three on two attack. And again, Hogan is throwing punches that look like garbage. Like he's not really hitting them. I don't know what was going on with Hulk Hogan at this time because like The one thing – no, I'm sorry. The three things that Hogan should be good at is throwing punches, big boots, and that fucking leg drop because that's all he's got. So those three things should look excellent.
0: Body slam, sir.
1: No, he body slammed Andro and it looked fantastic. That doesn't mean he was good at body slamming. That's
0: what he's famous for, though, so that's the one thing he should be good at is what I'm saying.
1: He's famous for that shitty fucking leg drop that they got over and – that's the only thing that he does that looks good at this point in time.
0: No, I, don't, I hear you what he actually does well. I'm just saying, you know, to add to the list of the things that he should do well, the body slam should be wonderful.
1: As Hogan comes down to help this three-on-two onslaught, uh, he wants to go after Lex Luger. Sting separates them. Luger runs like a bitch. And then we go off air for Nitro episode 13.
0: Um, You know... And this is a wrestling thing in general, but it's just so funny seeing this and thinking like a a year from now, not even a year from now, but like, let's just say a year from now, when, you know, Luger's a face and, you know, the announcers are trying to sell him as a face and how valued he is and how noble he is when he fights against the NWO and all this kind of shit, like, you don't remember like the way he like did staying in Hogan, right? Like, you know, we don't remember that. Okay.
1: <laughs> also, just for you people, um, I mean, the cha- people. I mean the people listening. Uh, hey, it's 1995. I can say whatever the fuck I want. We've gone back in time, <laughs> Travis. It's okay. Um, the chair shots against the giant, and then getting involved in the main event match leads to Hogan being put on probation. So going into Starcade, Hogan is on probation, and he's supposed to stay the fuck out of other people's business and not hit people with chairs and shit. So we roll into Nitro episode 14. uh, Very first match, tag team title match. Made me happy. Harlem Heat versus the American Males. American Males lose. Harlem Heat retains. What doesn't make me happy is we are still doing this Colonel Parker's sister Sherry thing, and that in the middle of a match featuring Scotty Riggs and Buff Bagwell – versus Booker T and Stevie Ray. We cut away from the ring for, like, a good five minutes while Colonel Parker is presenting her with what I believe was a shawl and an engagement ring, and then they just kind of run off together. Like, why are we still doing this? Listen, listen just, just
0: when that starts to happen, look at your phone and pretend it's not happening. <laughs> it's just,
1: I just I don't know why this is a thing. Like, why is this why, a thing?
0: Matt, I don't know either. I don't know. What I'm saying is we have the benefit of technology now. And these days, you can just pretend it's not happening.
1: <laughs> also, uh, the trend of
0: better, I promise.
1: The trend of shitty refs continues because Booker T is clearly not seen tagging in. But the ref allows Booker T to get the pinfall uh, in this match. He is distracted. He doesn't see Booker T tag in. At that point, you were supposed to tell Booker T to get the fuck out of the ring and bring Stevie Ray back in because you didn't see a tag. But he just said, "Fuck it, whatever." Affirmative action, let him have it, and that's what happened.
0: Yeah, affirmative action gives you one blind tag. You didn't know that?
1: I do now. Thank Night you, day. WCW. Yeah, yeah. I wish Titus Worldwide would know that and have won a match.
0: We don't get that because Vince doesn't care.
1: Uh, we move on to the Giant, who is now basically just managed by Jimmy Hart, uh, beating Scott Norton in. A match that was a match. Then we get the Lex and Sting promo, where we find out that at Starcade there is a triangle match. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let me explain this to you. So, in the World Cup, you will have Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, Sting, Lex Luger, The Macho Man, Randy Savage, <laughs> Johnny B. Bad, and Benoit. You said? I said Benoit. Uh, I got it here in the notes. Um, Alex Wright all competing Very in a,
0: I see why you forgot to say his name
1: it's a best of seven tournament the side whether it be WCW or New Japan that wins the most of those seven matches wins the World Cup after that there is what they called a triangle match now apparently this has existed because we hear from Dusty Rhodes later that he's actually competed in one of these before so this is like an NWA thing I guess Never something I'd heard of. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, it's got to be a triple threat match. And yeah. why are they calling it a triangle match?
0: Well, exactly. You would think that they were calling it a triangle match because they just didn't want to call it the same thing that WWF at the time was calling it. So they're like, yeah. they let's call this a triangle match? Because ours is special. And then we find out it actually is different. But go ahead.
1: And I have never seen one of these since this in the WWE slash WWF or in the a little bit of WCW that I watched at the end of WCW. But anyway, uh, the winner of the triangle match then goes on to face the world champion because he's got a lot of championship defenses coming up, so we're not just going to say it's Macho Man uh, for the title. Now, Macho Man, Sting, and Luger all compete in that World Cup. Ric Flair does not. He's the third member of the triangle match. Then Sting and Luger compete in the triangle match, and then the Macho Man... And the winner of that match competes. So Sting and Luger could be competing three times in one night.
0: I mean, they do it in King of the Ring. Why couldn't they do it that night?
1: Yeah, I I understand that. But they're competing against a guy who's only competing twice. And one guy who's competing once, maybe twice. If you're going to do it, I'm going to – when we get to Starkade, I'm going to (laughs) discuss my feelings about that. Um, So anyway – They're like, yeah, we're friends, but when we get to the triangle match, you know, I want to win, you want to win, every man for himself, friendship aside. Luger says he's going to win, Sting says he's going to win. Oh, we're in Phoenix for week 14, and Ric Flair comes down with Charles Barkley, who he refers to as the greatest living NBA player, period.
0: The utter disrespect.
1: Now, he's a heel, so he's supposed to say some dumb shit like that, but Michael Jordan's still alive. He wasn't playing in 95, and but he's still fucking alive.
0: At this point, yes, he was. He had was returned he? at this point. Yes, in fall of 95, he was back. Okay. He came back in the spring of 95, the second Whoa. half of that season. He came back full-time, like, at the beginning of the 95 season, because remember, the season goes from 95 to 96, where they won the world championship and beat the Seattle Seahawks, I mean, Seattle Supersonics. Okay, so yes, Jordan was back at the in the NBA at this point. So yes, the utter disrespect.
1: I don't think in '96
0: is unacceptable, and there is no way, no how that you can try to make that acceptable
1: to me. I don't even think in '95 Charles Barkley was top three in the NBA, let alone the greatest. You
0: think '95?
1: I don't know if Zoe has
0: started yet.
1: Well, you had to have Malone in 95. He was playing. Yeah, but... Uh, it's a postman, baby.
0: I hear you. You need the mailman. Yeah, um, same thing. It's the thing. In 95, I might put Barkley ahead of him at that point.
1: Pippen uh, was playing. Huh? Pippen was playing.
0: That's arguable where he sat because he was as good as he was because he was playing with Jordan.
1: That's arguable.
0: So yeah, it's 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 one of those things. Just like, I mean, I might be able to put him at number three. Like we, it'd be like Jordan and Patrick Ewing and then him, you know. But in 95. yeah, in ninety five, yeah, because <laughs> that's when music, that peak, you got peak Ewing, fuck New York and they pizza. But yeah.
1: Okay. Um, Just a Ric Flair promo, putting himself over, talking about how he's going to beat the Macho Man because he has, in two weeks, a title match against the Macho Man for the WCW Championship, two or three weeks. Uh, He's also in the triangle match, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Oh, this week, Lex takes on Savage, for the world title. So now, Lex Luger's in the triangle match. And if he (laughs) wins the triangle match, he gets a world heavyweight title shot. I'm assuming if Lex Luger were to win this match, that Savage would then move to the triangle match.
0: No, 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 no. Well, what happened is, because this is WCW, they would find a way to make this happen. Luger would still be in that triangle match. And then if he were to win that match, he would then have a match in the main event against himself. Because this is WCW, and they would find a way to justify that. It so, any way to justify it, but they'd find a way.
1: Here's the thing, um, and this is where everything gets convoluted. Up till now, we had an uneasy alliance between Sting, Macho Man, and Hulk Hogan in their vendetta to take down the Dungeon of Doom. Ric Flair has now emerged as a thorn in their side, and he is kind of working with Jimmy Hart, who is kind of working with the Dungeon of Doom. So, Flair comes down because Lex Luger is managed by Jimmy Hart. He punches the Macho Man with Nux. Um, The match ends in DQ because Hogan comes down, even though he wasn't supposed to, and gets involved. Um, Then Hogan tries to attack Jimmy Hart, and then he goes after Luger. But in the midst of Sting trying to get in the way, Hogan punches Sting in the face instead of Luger. Um, Hogan also says in a post-match interview That digress is something idiots say I think that's because he doesn't know the meaning of digress
0: I was just about to say no Digress is a word that people who understand the English language say
1: So you got Hogan, you got Flair, you got Sting, you got Luger Again, it's that love-hate triangle between Sting, Hogan, and...
0: Not to be confused with the triangle match.
1: Randy Savage, where they're friends, but they're we don't know what the fuck's really going on. It's a very confusing trend. Like I said, at this point, the Dungeon of Doom is basically gone, guys. Uh, Kevin Sullivan shows up. You don't see Ming. You don't see the shark. You don't see the Zodiac. You don't see... Uh, that weird rock dude that's supposedly Kevin Sullivan's dad or the Yeti at all going into.
0: Starcade. So The Yeti's gone. The Yeti.
1: And uh, you don't see any more of Hugh Morris going into Starcade, even though he only debuted a week ago. The Yeti is
0: gone. You will never see. Him
1: no, it's Yeti. I'm not going to pronounce it retarded like they do. No. Ye- the Yeti is gone. Sir. All right, let's roll into week 15. Um, and by the way,
0: let me ask a question because I have another instance of Bobby Heenan says, I just don't remember when he said it. Okay. When would you like me to throw this in? Because it's, it's, it's about somebody who's just really not a big deal anyway.
1: Who is it about?
0: About Hacksaw Jim Duggan.
1: Um, then we will throw it in after I mention that match with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Okay. Cool. When we get there, we will throw that in. All How's right. that sound? Cool. All right, we're going to roll into Nitro uh, episode 15. Mr. JL, or JL as you refer to him, which, by the way, I hate the fact that Jerry Lynn is paraded around as a cruiserweight, or I'm sorry, a luchador in a mask when he is neither Hispanic nor a luchador and becomes relatively well known at ECW as Jerry Lynn. The fact that they stuck him under a mask and gave him this gimmick really bothers me. But, uh, he loses to Eddie Guerrero. You
0: see, <laughs>
1: Yeah, he loses to Eddie Guerrero. Um, neither of these guys get an entrance. The announcers are babbling on about New Japan and Hogan and triangle matches and shit. And then all of a sudden, Eric Bischoff's like, oh, wait, hold on a second. We've got live action in the ring, and they're already wrestling. At, I just – I did not like that. Um, I mean,
0: honestly, is there anything special about either one of their entrances that you, like, upset that you missed?
1: No, but I will talk about that when I get to the drizzling shits and the highlights. Okay. So we're going to finish all the weeks before Starcade. I'll talk about the drizzling shits and the highlights, and then we'll get into Starcade. Um, oh, yeah, they were talking about, uh, Sonny Ono, and this is another one of those instances where I'm like, what the fuck? Uh, this is where they start mentioning that there's going to be a World Cup, and Bischoff says that uh, it should be a cakewalk, a rice cakewalk. And I'm like, that, <laughs> that's fucking racist, Eric. <laughs> like, I had to rewind it to see if Bobby said it, and Bobby did not say it. That no, was Bischoff. That
0: was Eric Bischoff. Yes, I remember him saying that, and I didn't write that down because, once again, I'm like, yo, Bobby Heenan said, nope, nope, that was Eric Bischoff.
1: Yeah, that's racist. Hmm. Um, Then we get Lex and Jimmy cutting a promo on Savage and how Luger's better and he should be champ because of last week he should have won, blah, blah, blah. Luger, 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 Luger. Um, Oh, next we have Paul Orendorf versus the Disco Inferno. Uh, Luckily, Mr. Wonderful beats Disco. And then we are subjected to some awful mock dancing from Mr. Orendorf during this match.
0: Don't ask questions. Just accept that he did it. It's easy.
1: After the match, we are standing out on the ramp because that's where they do a lot of these interviews. Those of you have watched, see this. I don't know why they choose that to be the interview spot, but that's where they do them.
0: We have,
1: we have the three horsemen, because Benoit isn't really part of the horsemen. He's only a horseman in name at this point. Um, they're cutting a promo. They let the loose cannon Brian Pillman just go off on a rant where he's insulting people left and right, including Paul Orndorff, who he says sucks now. He used to have the ability to be a horseman and that killer instinct, but now he doesn't. Paul Orndorff takes exception to that. He comes down. He shares some words with Pillman. They brawl. Arn and Rick go after Orndorff. It's three on one. And the best part about this is we get a spike pile driver to Paul Orndorff On the concrete, which is something you will probably never see in 2018 in the WWE.
0: They will never even talk about doing that ever again. The 90s. All right,
1: Travis. uh, Luger beats Hacksaw. And I just want to say, before you talk about what Bobby Heenan says, I feel like WCW has really disrespected Hacksaw and made him... Oh! More special than <laughs> I remember Hacksaw Jim Duggan being. Like, he really plays up the not all there in the head sort of thing.
0: I mean, did you not watch The Legends House? He's really not all the way there.
1: He's <laughs> not. I did watch The Legends House, but I feel like, like, I just feel like the way they portray him in WCW is disrespectful. And a little bit, a little bit to that, what did Bobby Heenan say about Hacksaw Jim Duggan?
0: I mean, it's not as bad as the she's kind of pretty in oriental sort of way comment, but he did say, I don't know why you would want to shake hands with him. You don't know where he's been. And (laughs) where do you think he's been, Bobby? Like, (laughs) Like what goes through your head? What do you think of Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Bobby? Why does he want to shake his head?
1: That's the thing about Bobby Heenan. I think he just says shit and nothing goes through his head. <laughs> like, things just come out of his mouth and they're funny and they work, but he has no, like, filter or pre-thought about it. He just speaks. And what comes out comes out. And that's the beauty of Bobby the Brain Heenan.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. I missed the brain.
1: Uh, we also have a Macho Man Randy Savage promo on the rampway, uh, where he says next week he will defend his title against the Giant. Uh, mean Gene talks about how big the Giant is and says he's seven foot three, however many pounds. And then Macho Man talks about the Giant and says he's seven foot four. So apparently, in a span of about thirty seconds, the Giant, who we know is the Big Show, who is actually seven foot two, has grown to be seven foot four. He's grown an inch in thirty seconds. Listen. He's going to shrink back down two inches by the time he gets to WWE. Not only
0: that, he also, like, you know, at some point becomes 543 pounds and then goes back down to 500 pounds, and then he's 520 pounds at some point. Then they say, like, he's 545 pounds. It just,
1: you know. His weight fluctuates. Like, he's got, like, normal people lose, like, 10 pounds in water weight, but when you're that big, you've got, like, 50 pounds of water weight to play with. I think it goes up and down. It's... <laughs> Just the way it is. I
0: I legitimately remember once he joined the NWO the second time when he came out, they said he weighed five hundred and forty three pounds. I I like for real remember them saying that exact weight. I'm like that's a lot of pounds, bro. Like I doubt you weigh that much, but that's what they say you. Weigh.
1: He might. He might. Um, our main event we have Arn Anderson and Flair versus Sting and Hogan. Mind you, Hogan is on probation. Um, we are in Flair Country, ladies and gentlemen, for this episode of Nitro, and the Four Horsemen are over, and the Hogan Sucks chance make me so happy.
0: Oh yeah, well when you're in oh. North Carolina, they love Flair oh. North Carolina, sir.
1: Like, and the Hogan Sucks chance, I was just like, oh, this is this is fantastic.
0: Is the thing though? I'm, I'm glad you guys feel really me. Think they like they. Dislike like Hogan that much. Just they love Ric Flair so much there at this time that anybody who like thinks of going against Ric Flair is dead to them.
1: Jimmy Hart and Lex Luger come down. Jimmy Hart distracts the referee while Luger attacks Hulk Hogan and puts him in the torture rack at ringside. He is in the torture rack being tortured and the ref is talking and having a conversation with Jimmy Hart. Not seeing any of this. Yeah. Um, Then when Hogan does get the tag, the ref is also distracted. He doesn't see it. And this time, that tag does not count because he didn't see it. And affirmative action is not at play here because it's four white guys.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, You don't get the one free tag.
1: And Arn gets sustained despite the fact that he never tagged in the match. They send Hogan out, but don't say shit to Arn, and he never even actually tagged in the match.
0: Well, see, there's, there's levels to this. See, here's the thing. You've heard of white privilege, right?
1: Yeah. There's white
0: privilege, then there's horseman privilege.
1: You know. See, and the funny thing about white privilege is I didn't even know I had it. Like, I didn't even know it existed until I was told about it and that I had it. I had it for years and had no idea what, that I even had even this shit.
0: You weren't even taking advantage of it. I wasn't. No idea. It's a shame. It's small things, though. It's a whole lot of small shit.
1: Like getting pulled over and just being able to tell the police officer, I'm sorry, I won't do that again. And he just lets you go on your way.
0: Exactly. You know, and then they, you know, the same thing, I get pulled over the same shit and I got to get out of the car. You know, it's just, it's small shit. It's like, I don't have anything in the car, but whatever. Like this is bullshit, but whatever, just do this so I can go home. Or, or
1: applying for a loan on a house and getting approved without a real thorough check.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, applying for a job and not having to worry about whether or not the person doing the hiring is racist. You know, small shit, small shit. Anyway, that's not. We're talking about wrestling right now. You um,
1: where was I? Oh yeah, this is where we get the series of the worst big boots I have ever seen in my life. Hogan is barely getting his leg up off the ground. People are walking into the you boots. He's trim. not putting right. anything there. Okay. If he had a cramp and he couldn't hit the big boot, they shouldn't be selling for it like they just got their fucking heads kicked off.
0: You got to sell it, Matt. Like, that's the whole thing. Wrestling doesn't work if you don't sell it.
1: But here's the thing. If there's no force behind it from Hogan and you sell it, you look like a fucking idiot because no matter how good you sell it, it still looks like shit.
0: That's the point because Hogan is the man right now, so you have to sell for him no matter what.
1: Hogan can suck my dick right now.
0: Um, he does. Make sure you get it on video.
1: Pillman runs down and attacks Sting, and then Luger stops Pillman from attacking Sting because their friends leave my friend alone. Then Savage runs down to help. Everyone's going wild. Sting turns around. He punches Savage in the face, and uh, Luger and the Horsemen take off. And then, again, we're there with Hogan trying to play referee between Savage and Sting. Sting explains that Hogan punched him in the face last week. He punched him. There's a lot of shit going on. And, again, it's pointless because we leave the show with them friends all over again. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's okay. He punched me in the face. I punched you in the face. You punch him in the face. It's it's all good. We're good. We're we're fine.
0: I mean, hey, you know, sometimes you got to punch your boy in the face. Even if it's not on purpose.
1: And we also keep hearing the what's the deal with Sting and Luger as anytime they're near each other, they're tag teaming, one saves the other, one stops the other from hurting someone just keeps going. Now, Nitro episode 16, I actually saw the opening of multiple times because it's one of those WCW moments that you see over and over and over again. And it's talked about, it's one of those famous WCW Nitro moments. And that is, Medusa showing up at the announcer's desk and dropping the WWF women's championship in the trash saying that WCW is where the big boys play. And now it's where the big girls play. This is actually the point in time. What?
0: it? And then you don't see her again.
1: Yeah. Well, this is actually the point in time where Vince McMahon so upset by this action deactivated the women's championship, and we won't see it again until I believe 96. No, 97 or 98.
0: I'm going to say it's so whenever Sable and Jacqueline compete for it. I believe that's actually post that big WrestleMania between
1: Stone Cold and um, it might be 98. I believe it's 98. I'm yeah. 96. So two years because of this moment, eh, a year, year and a half, two years, roughly. Um, also, Awesome. William, the fridge, Perry, hanging out with Mongo. Mongo asks him to stick around and make sure no more wrestlers come up there, and then he just disappears. Bears.
0: The bears.
1: As bad as I think Mongo is on the mic, as awful of a horseman as I thought he was when he was in the horseman, he is still a bear. We are not there yet, all right? He is still a bear, and he will still have my respect, even with that stupid little dog. That he keeps bringing to the announce table and dressing up and naming different shit every week.
0: Leave him and his chihuahua
1: alone. All right. Um, he's we a talked. The bear. <laughs> we talked. We talked last week about how, or not last week, last episode about how Flair was supposed to have a match with Guerrero, and then he decided to put Pillman in that match because he's too good to fight Guerrero. Well, this week we get Flair versus Guerrero. Flair beats Guerrero. Arn Anderson comes down to do an interview, and while Arn Anderson's doing the interview, we just see Flair, for no reason whatsoever, stomping the shit out of Eddie Guerrero while he lays on the ground after he won the match. It's fuck him. It's motherfucking Eddie Guerrero, all right? Like,
0: see, back then, he wasn't motherfucking Eddie Guerrero. He was just uh, Eddie Guerrero, so fuck him. That's how they saw him.
1: Kevin Sullivan comes down to the ring during this interview to let us know that he still exists. And that so does the Dungeon of Doom. And for whatever reason, he's warning the four horsemen to stay out of the Dungeon of of Doom's business and not get in their way. And Was
0: this when they were going off about Pillman, about him being a loose cannon and shit? Yeah. So, yeah, I think that was more about Pillman than it was about the whole horseman. It was just like, yo, keep, you know, Pillman in check, is what he was
1: saying. Well, it... Becomes more than that, but we'll get there. Um, oh, next, uh, Pitman, Pitbull Pitman, Craig Pitman, comes to Bobby Heenan to ask him to be his manager. And Bobby says, Listen, I am the greatest manager of all time. You are right, but I don't manage anymore. We got to find you someone else and sends him on his way.
0: Poor Pitbull. Poor Pitbull.
1: Then we have a match between uh, Buff Bagwell or Marcus Bagwell, as he's known right now, part of the American Males.
0: He's not Buff Bagwell yet.
1: He loses to Lex Luger. Um, Have you actually seen anyone tap when they're in the torture rack?
0: No, because how can you really do that?
1: I just feel like he puts the torture rack on, and then they wait like 30 seconds, and they just call the match. You've got got a free arm. Like, you can tap. Well, but I don't think I've seen anyone you, tap to the torture well, rack. What would you really tap on? Like, your, your chest, your side, his forehead.
0: I think what they're doing is once they have him in the rack, they're just asking the guy, like, do you give And the guy just tells the ref you yeah, to
1: quit? Like, I think that's what's happening. I, I don't see that. I just see him put it on, and then they wait 30 seconds and then ring the bell, and it's over. It's like an automatic KO. Up oh, the rack's on. Match over.
0: Yeah, he's, he's not letting go. They're up there. Let's just assume they quit. And, yeah, I can see why you would think that. But I think the idea is that they tell the ref that they quit.
1: I got a question for you, Travis. Sure. sure. Is Bobby Eaton British? Who? Bobby Eaton. Who the fuck is Bobby Eaton? I remember Bobby Eaton from, like, the NWO time a little bit. I remember hearing that name. But as of right now, he is part of the Blue Bloods with William Regal. And he is the Earl Bobby Eaton. That, that dude, yeah, yeah, okay. okay. Is he British? I don't know. Because I thought, I swear to God, I thought like later on he was a redneck and part of that group with uh, Kurt Hennig.
0: Dude, I don't know that motherfucker. I have no idea.
1: And I think he gets called Beautiful Bobby Eaton later on.
0: That sounds very familiar. But I don't remember.
1: But anyway, he's an Earl. Apparently he's British. He's hanging out with Stephen Regal. For those of you who don't know, William Regal, WCW. Was Lord Steven Regal. Um, he takes on Sting and Sting wins, and then Sting cuts another pointless promo about triangle matches and being friends with Lex Luger and issues and Starcade and I'm the best. I'm gonna win. Woo. And I love Sting. I do, but the storytelling through these five weeks is just fucking scatterbrained and awful. It's like they're just taking shit and throwing it at a wall. And, hey, that worked last week. Let's do the same thing but a little different.
0: It's going to get better, Matt. I promise. I promise it's about to get better.
1: Our main event for the 16th episode of Nitro is Randy Savage versus the Giant. Um, Again, we get an interference and a DQ. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our second world title match. Since World War III, both have ended in DQs because Hulk Hogan comes down and gets involved because nobody can have a fucking world title match that Hulk Hogan's not involved in that ends fairly.
0: (laughs) Because Hogan was supposed to be the champ, so he's pissed.
1: (laughs) I'm also 99.9% sure that Giant got a fucking three count in that match, and they just called it off. Like, it didn't happen. I saw the ref slap three. I heard it. I was with the Giant. I'm like... You just won that match. You're the champ. And the ref's like, no, 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 I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, well, he fell down to start the count. And y'all counted that first drop down as a count. He was trying to catch himself from falling face first onto the mat. All right? It was only two.
1: (sighs) Uh, Hogan Mm -hmm. then gets in the fridge's face and Mongo's face. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I already don't like you, but you need to back up. Back the fuck up off the 85 Bears, all right? Like, who the fuck do you think you are getting in William the Fridge Perry's face, motherfucker? You stay
0: the fuck off the Super Bowl Bears, all right? Fuck you.
1: I don't care who you are or what movies you were in or what fucking championships you've held. You are not an 85 Bear. You do not get in their face. (laughs) Plain and simple.
0: I get it. I feel you.
1: Um... Then we got an in-ring promo with Savage. Basically, it's him and Hogan, and Hogan's like, listen, brother, I know you didn't see the footage, but I still want my title match. Savage's like, listen, I got a lot of shit going on. I got Ric Flair next week. I got a World Cup match at Starcade. Then I got to face the winner of a triangle match, and I don't even know what the fuck a triangle match is. After I solve all that, if I'm still champ, you'll get your title match. Hogan's like, okay, sounds good. You're still champ. But he's suspended at this point, and we don't see him for the next two – well, the next next week and a day or two because Starcade was only two days after Monday Nitro.
0: For the rest of the year.
1: Yeah, so for the rest of the year, technically. <clears throat> Nitro episode 17 takes place on Christmas, which – good for you, Nitro. Sliding that one in there. Um, making – Making those wrestlers wrestle on Christmas because Nitro's live, baby, live. Fuck their kids. They don't need to spend time with their kids on Christmas. Uh, we got Luger beating Scotty Riggs here. So now he's beat both the American males individually.
0: Scotty Riggs when he still has two eyes. I'm going to keep saying that until he I know you he's he two eyes.
1: Uh, we still have not seen any of the competitors that are going to be competing for the New Japan side. Leading into this World Cup, so we know nothing about them. We don't know how good they are. I don't give a shit about the World Cup because I don't know the competitors. They haven't even told us who's wrestling on the WCW side other than Sting, Luger, and the Macho Man.
0: Well, that's because we don't respect the Japanese.
1: Uh, Sting has an interview more about the triangle match, and Mean Gene's like, we all want to know what's the deal with Luger. And he's like, I'm sick of getting that question. I'm like, I'm with you, Sting. I'm fucking sick of it, too. You've explained it. Luger's explained it. I don't know why they can't get through their heads. You guys are fucking friends. He's an asshole, but you like him. I get it. Move on. We don't is need to talk. It's very about this.
0: understandable how reasonable, reasonably good people can be friends with assholes.
1: Now this is, this is where I take umbrage with WCW planning. So Sting is out there cutting an interview.
0: Hulk Hogan wouldn't like the fact that you use the word umbrage either.
1: Yeah. Cause he doesn't know what it means. Yeah. Um, Then we come back from commercial break, which we don't have on the network, but you know, they go to commercial break to come back. Big Bubba comes down and then sting makes another entrance. Like why the fuck? Didn't he just go from the rampway to the fucking ring? If he was the next match on the card,
0: they got to see him come down to the ring, Matt. They got to play his music. They got to make the pyro go off while he flexes and shit. Like they got to do all that.
1: Oh, they need to really. Well, When when we're done with this week, we're going to talk about that, Travis. Um, Sting beats Big Bubba. I feel bad for Boss Man here. Like, this gimmick they got him doing and just jobbing out all the time fucking sucks. Glad that he gets in a little better shape and goes over to WWF and has a little bit more success in the character. For a while, sir. I know it's not, but I just – I know what he will be, and it's sad to see him like this. Yeah,
0: because he's got some time. Like, I think he, like, he joins the NWO once they start, and then he, afterwards he goes by the name, like his real name, like Ray Trailer. I think his name is. And,
1: yeah, it, it gets worse for him from here, just so you know. After the Sting match, Lex Luger then comes back out and does a promo because we couldn't have just caught him on his way backstage I and mean, done a promo then.
0: We don't do things that make sense here in WCW, all right?
1: It's fucking stupid. Like, it's fucking awful. Um, And he talks about his triangle match and how he's going to win and how he should be champion already. And he beat Savage like 200 billion times. And he put him in torture rack. And he beat Hogan, even though he hasn't actually got any wins in the book for any of those matches. Then Pittman comes down. And Pittman wants Jimmy Hart to be his manager. And this is another instance of some fucked up WCW shit because Jimmy Hart tells him to take his shirt off, then he goes, "All right, look at Lex Luger and look at you. Why the fuck would I want to manage that when you look like this?" He's body shaming Pitman, yeah. saying, "I will not manage you because you don't look like Lex Luger. Be that or kill yourself." That's I make, what I. That's what I heard.
0: Who does look like Lex Luger besides Lex Luger? Like, <laughs> what are you? What are you? Really, what, what are you really gonna do? Like, you know. Nobody looks like Lex Luger. So, you're just not
1: going to manage nobody? Like, so, Jimmy says he's not going to do it. Body shames Pittman. Pittman's like, I'll find a manager. Um, I don't know why this is a thing. Like, Pittman's not a bad guy. I hope he finds a manager. I have a feeling we're just going to drop this and we're never going to see it because that's just what they do.
0: He's one of those guys that's just good in the ring. They needed something for him to do, and this is what they're doing.
1: Coming out and asking people to be his manager. Basically. Okay. Uh We spent most of the show talking about WCW versus New Japan at Starcade, even though there's been no build whatsoever on Nitro. And then we get the Flair versus Savage for the title. Ladies and gentlemen, three title matches, main event, Monday Nitro, three disqualification endings.
0: What you want me to tell you, dude? Like, I told you they do this. <laughs> like... This is what they do.
1: Jimmy Hart comes down to ringside uh, with Flair because apparently he owed him or some shit. Maybe from punching Macho Man in the face against Lex Luger in the match they had a couple of weeks before. I don't, I don't get it. Um, Luger causes a DQ in what was otherwise a great match that took fucking forever. Sting then runs down to hit the ring and save Savage. And once the smoke clears, you see Sting and Savage nose to nose. As we go off air. All right, Travis. Now this is my favorite part of the show. Oh, is there any any more Bobby Heenan said? Or
0: no, I said, I just have a, I just okay. had two of them.
1: Let's we'll talk about what I what I consider the highlights because there are definitely less highlights than there are drizzling shits. Um, tag titles actually on the show and defended in week fourteen. Good job. Uh, Using those TNA or TNT NBA ties to get Charles Barkley out on nitro. Good job. Orendorf taking the spike pile driver on the concrete. Good job. And Hogan getting uh, booed in flair country, which you guys had nothing to do with, but still made me happy. Those are the only highlights that I have pulled from five weeks of TV. Now let's talk about the drizzling shits, Travis. Uh, You can barely hear the entrance music for the majority of the people that come out, and sometimes it's major people like Macho Man. It feels like entrances are an afterthought. The pyro just randomly goes off as they walk out. You only zoom into them for a second where they do a quick pose. Entrances are almost non-existent in WCW in 1995. I know it gets better. I know they put more effort into it. But as of right now, like, there's, I don't even – I know what Sting's music is and I know what H- Flair's music is and I know what Macho Man's music is. I don't really know what anyone – like, if I heard their music, I wouldn't be like, oh, that's Eddie Guerrero. Oh, that's, you know, uh, Arn yeah. Anderson.
0: Most of them – well, Arn Anderson just uses the Four Horsemen music. Eddie's music is irrelevant because that's going to change.
1: Don't really know what Lex Luger's music is. <laughs> oh, I know what the Giants music is because Kevin Sullivan's awful laugh is at the beginning of it.
0: Yeah, that's the <laughs> Dungeon of Doom music that he yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, Next drizzling shit I already talked about, but it's Hogan's strikes, Hogan's chair shots, and Hogan's big boots. They were fucking awful, and his ring work in general is just fucking terrible.
0: Yeah, he was phoning it in at this point. It's true.
1: Uh, then there is the cluster fuck of what was going on leading up to the pay-per-view as far as who was mad at who, who was on whose team, who was on whose side. None of it made sense. I couldn't keep up with who was working with who and when they were working with them and who was mad at who. Uh, and we're going to get a little of that in Starcade. It was very confusing. Um, also drizzling shits repeatedly having to hear people ask Sting and Lex Luger, what's going on with Sting and Lex Luger. Uh, No actual build for the World Cup tournament, despite the fact that it is the entire premise of the pay-per-view. Colonel Parker and Sherry's engagement in the middle of the fucking tag team match for no goddamn reason. Three world title matches that all ended in DQ. And the referees who don't seem to know how to do their fucking job. Those are the drizzling shits that I've got from five weeks of Nitro.
0: Well, you know, the referee thing is a continuation because that's never going away.
1: And I don't think Hogan's ring work is going to get any better either. So that's going to be a continuation too. Uh,
0: I won't necessarily say it gets better, but it won't be as shitty, I guess, is a better way of putting
1: it. I know he sells for Jay Leno like a motherfucker.
0: Exactly. So it's not as shitty.
1: All right, Travis, you ready to talk about Starcade?
0: Let's talk about Starcade, the granddaddy of them all.
1: First and foremost, this is on a Wednesday because reasons. Um, you got Dusty on commentary, which is a plus. I love hearing Dusty, and Dusty on commentary is entertaining, even though he says some really racist shit later on. Uh, first seven matches are the World Cup matches. Now, mind you, they call it the World Cup, but it's really only WCW versus New Japan. I mean, what else is there in the world? Uh, there's a big promotion in Mexico. There's a big promotion in Canada. There's a other big promotion in the United States. Uh, Puerto Rico has some uh, major contenders. Hey, hey,
0: none of those matter. Okay. So <laughs> I'm just saying if it's... In New Japan or all that matter.
1: If it's the World Cup, it should involve the world. I'm surprised they didn't call this the Pearl Harbor Cup, as racist as they've been. <laughs>
0: No, they they if they were going to really do that, they'd name it after, like...
1: Nagasaki or...
0: I was just about to say, that, yeah, they'd go, like, Hiroshima or Nagasaki. <laughs> like, that, if they were going to do it, they'd go all the way in on that shit. They wouldn't half-ass it.
1: You know what they should have done? They should have gone over to WWF and borrowed Adam Bomb and had him coming in and their
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they eventually get him. They just don't... Yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, first match we have uh, jushin thunder liger versus chris benoit this is where it gets weird again because kevin sullivan and jimmy hart come down jimmy hart's trying to stop kevin sullivan he distracts benoit
0: you think that's really about the about the horse yeah. thing or do you think it's about his wife
1: <laughs> he distracts benoit who loses and Travis makes a good point. Chris Benoit has really been the non-existent member of the four horsemen. So why are you fucking with him? Also, the four horsemen have done nothing to the dungeon of doom at this point. So why are you out there fucking with them? Cause he's fucking his wife. Uh, Liger beats Benoit. New Japan goes up one, nothing. Uh, I love dusty on commentary because he was giving Tony Schiavone shit about the way he named moves he did not like the fact that he was referring to a suplex specifically as a German suplex or a sidekick as a mafia kick. And he's like, what's next? The, uh, oh, what he said something, but he just started making shit up that weren't actually moves because he was implying that a German suplex and a mafia kick, which are the real terms for the moves were just some weird shit. He's like, why are you naming these after, you know, Italians and Germans and shit? It's, it's a fucking suplex. Not every suplex is a suplex.
0: Exactly. Because, you know, just a suplex is what's also referred to as a vertical suplex. And, you know, the German suplex is something different, which makes sense.
1: He said some shit like, oh, it was a French face buster, like just making fun of. Yeah, it was great. Um, Then we get Alex Wright, who loses to Koji Kanemoto. Yeah, uh, I mean, lost because it's fucking Alex Wright. Das Wonder Kid loses. Clean, clean loss. New Japan goes up to nothing. Next, we got Johnny B. Bad with Kimberly. Who this is the most charismatic we have seen. Kimberly, she comes down, she's dancing, she's doing cartwheels. This is kind of the first glimpse at what would become the Nitro girls on Starcade, not Nitro, but. She is the leader of the Nitro Girls. These are the kind of acrobatics that we see from the Nitro Girls. This is our first glimpse into the future and what would become the Nitro Girls. Uh, They also let Kim cut a promo because Sonny Ono gets in the ring and suggests that she has no business being there because she is a woman. Kimberly then replies (coughs) by calling him Hop Singh. Saying this isn't a bathhouse, and she isn't a geisha. Uh, to which he tells Johnny B. Bad to get his woman under control. Yeah, yeah. that's racist and sexist. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> they just went back and forth. They're like, "Yeah, well, I'm going to be racist. Well, I'm going to be sexist because you're being racist." And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: also. I wrote this down, but apparently there was a part of my notes that I deleted and I missed this. Something happened, and I think it had to do with Bobby the Brain Heenan, where Dusty Rhodes said that someone should go get the rope out of his truck.
0: I don't remember that, but. Oh, Travis. I have a a feeling this is one of those points where, you know, I just kind of tuned out to what they were saying, so.
1: He said it, and I'm pretty sure it's a lynching rope wouldn't surprise me. And I'm like, you can't tell people you got that shit in your truck, Dusty. Like, you're a national treasure. Yeah, but he's still from Texas. So he's, he's, you know. Johnny B. Badd gets Not the a, first.
0: So all Texans have one in, back, in the back of their pickup truck. You know, it's just.
1: Yeah. You know. Oh, Johnny B. Bad gets the first win for WCW here against Masa Saito via an over-the-top rope disqualification. That I forgot thing, that this buddy. was a fucking thing. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we have uh, Guerrero losing to Dotani. Uh, clean loss for Guerrero. That was a, it was a really good match. Um, I enjoyed it. Guerrero always puts on a good match. Uh, clean loss there. Right now, New Japan is up three to two. Here's where I take an issue with the planning. If I was doing Starcade, and I was having a World Cup tournament, I would want my world's heavyweight champion to be the one to bear the burden of saving WCW. I would not have him be the one tying it up. He would be the one to win and save WCW. Also, because the next two matches, ladies and gentlemen, are, uh, I missed one. Um, somewhere in there, Lex Luger won a match. And for some reason, it's not in my notes. Uh,
0: so You said, I'm like, yeah, that's three to one. I'm like, no, no.
1: Yeah. Lex Luger won a match um, as well. Torture so rack. He was the second one with the torture rack. Nothing special. Anyway. It is now down to Savage and Sting, and they're going to have Savage's match before Sting's match. Now, Sting is also competing in the triangle match that we're going to talk about. Wouldn't you want to give Sting a break before going into the triangle match, seeing as Luger has a break and Flair hasn't wrestled? Wouldn't it make more sense to put Savage after Sting so Sting could have his match, take a break, go into the triangle match?
0: It could potentially be three matches in a row for Sting.
1: Yeah. This is just poor fucking planning. Like, if I was planning it, Savage would be the one to win the fucking cup. Yeah. yeah. He's your fucking champion. That would make sense.
0: Savage, if you really were doing it, you'd save your champ. And you know who would be decided? Fucking Hulk Hogan. But anyway, go ahead.
1: Well, he's suspended.
0: Thank God. I hear you, but I'm just saying, if I'm WCW, I'd say fuck that suspension. My main guy, the best best that we have would go up against their best that they have. And it would be fucking Hulk Hogan.
1: Well, Tenzan, I wouldn't say he's the best that they had, but they did tout him as pinning a IWGP world heavyweight champion and being a tag team with the champion. They talked a lot about his accolades and he was looking to pin uh, macho man here in a non-title match to get some clout and credit and build the character some more. It didn't happen. Savage won. Um, Then we get Sting, who takes on Kensuke Sasaki. This is the guy who beat Sting in Japan for the U.S. title. Sting gets a measure of revenge, beating him and winning the World Cup. And then all of the WCW World Cup competitors come down to the ring to celebrate, except for the Macho Man.
0: Yeah, well, he doesn't want to be in there with Sting.
1: (laughs) Or Luger. Well, yeah, that too, but. Uh, then, uh, all right, uh, we get to our triangle match guys. Um, so here's what a triangle match is. Apparently a triangle match, two men start in the ring, which is decided by pinfall of those or not pinfall up coin toss of the three guys that are in the match. The third guy stands on the apron. He can be tagged in or tagging at any point in the match, but the first person and I believe it has to be legal person to get a pinfall or submission wins the match. So if you're standing out on the apron, you're not in position to win the match. You have to tag yourself in, but it's also a good way to get out of the match and take a much needed rest. If you're getting your ass kicked and turn the momentum, we start off with sting versus Ric Flair. Ric Flair who has not competed tonight. Sting who just finished having a match.
0: Um, he got a break during the whole, you know, trophy ceremony.
1: Yeah, real long break. Uh, Luger then tags in, and he takes on Flair. And then Flair tags Sting, and we get Sting versus Luger. Luger gets Sting in the torture rack, and he hits the ref in the face with Sting's foot, knocking the ref down. And this is where you see the beauty and brilliance that is motherfucking Ric Flair, ladies and gentlemen. Ric Flair sees his opportunity, He chop-locks Lex Luger in the knee, sending Luger to the outside. He then grabs Sting and throws Sting outside into Lex Luger, wakes the ref up, and has the ref start the 10-count. Yeah, man. This should not have been the end of the match, but for some reason, Sting's best friend, Lex Luger, decided he was not going to let Sting get back in the ring and compete. Uh,
0: They explained that. He was just trying to get Sting to help him because his his leg was fucked up.
1: Oh, yeah, he was holding Sting's leg so that –
0: He was like, yo, come help me. Is something wrong with my leg? That's what they said.
1: (laughs) Ric Flair, who was not the legal man in the ring, now wins this by double count out. Yeah, man. Ric Flair then goes on to face the Macho Man in the main event. They have both now competed twice, so I guess that's fair. For the WCW World Heavyweight Championship, the big gold belt, According to them, the most prestigious prize in all of wrestling. Flair beats Savage. Jimmy Hart comes down before the match to be Flair's manager during the match for some reason. I'm still not sure why the fuck that's happening or why Jimmy Hart's just deciding that he's going to manage whoever the fuck he wants, especially because Ric Flair does not look like Lex Luger. He looks more like Pittman than he does Luger body-wise. But he is, at this point, an 11-time World Heavyweight Champion. And he's white. (laughs) And he's white. Uh, During the match, the megaphone gets involved. Savage gets a hold of it, hits Flair with it, and busts Flair wide open. Busts it wide. Uh, He then goes for an elbow drop and hits it, but Jimmy Hart has the ref distracted. And then we get some more really shitty ref in Pillman and Benoit come down to the ring. This is the first time we've seen Benoit with the rest of the Four Horsemen since he has been announced as a member of the Four Horsemen. Savage handily takes care of them, but Arn hits the ring and with a pair of knucks, knocks out Randy Savage. You can see Pillman rolling in front of the referee. So the referee clearly knows that Pillman, because he pushed Pillman out of the fucking ring, was in the ring and shouldn't have fucking been in there, but he didn't call for a DQ. He didn't turn around to see what, what the fuck was going on. Hey, we've yeah, shucks,
0: already uh, that just being in the ring is not a DQ.
1: Yeah, but if I saw a guy who wasn't supposed to be in the ring in the ring, I wouldn't just slowly shove him underneath the rope. i turn around and be like, what the fuck's going on here? Catch Arn Anderson punching Macho Man with the brass knucks. That's besides the point. Um, Savage gets busted open. Uh... Flair gets the three count from the assist by Arn Anderson. And then they talk about how Ric Flair needs medical attention and he's being carried to the back and can't celebrate. And he's now a 12 time world heavyweight champion, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Yep. And this kicks off that Macho Man and Ric Flair feud that I was
1: telling you about. That is the end of Stargate. That's the
0: end of 1995.
1: Thanks fucking God. Is the Dungeon of Doom done now, too? Are they gone?
0: I mean, there'll be some more of it for a while, but it's, they're, they're not a mainstay right now. Fuck. They won't be as featured as they were before, is what I'm saying.
1: Okay. Travis, overall thoughts for you, because you heard what I liked and what I didn't like. You heard, you guys, I'm warning you right now if you're watching this, and you are a Hulk Hogan fan, you are going to hate me so much. So fucking much. (laughs) There is not going to be a point in time. I don't care when he comes down and he joins the NWO. I don't care when he's Hollywood Hogan and he's teaming with Dennis Rodman. I don't care.
0: Hollywood Hogan is my favorite Hulk Hogan.
1: I don't care if we get to the FU new blood, Terry Bollea. I am not going to put over Hulk Hogan. I, f- I used to be a huge fan when I was a child. Having to watch him back, I fucking hate this man.
0: Like I said, Hollywood Hogan is my favorite Hulk Hogan. So once that starts, I'll be more of a fan at that point. But I can understand right now why you don't like him. Because it's just like, yeah, this isn't good. At, all. at
1: least he didn't wear a black mask and wield around a giant sword these five weeks from his suspension. This is true. He that was he Highlight, should. they suspended Hulk Hogan. Good on you, WCW. Thank you.
0: But yeah, other than that, the whole triangle match thing was funny to me. Because it's just like, oh, that's what a triangle match is? Okay.
1: I kind of want them to bring that back. Like, I think that would be an interesting thing to do in the current WWE landscape with some of the stuff that's going on and an interesting way to do a different triple threat match.
0: Yeah, yeah, because the multi-person match does kind of get old after a while.
1: It's not a bad idea. I didn't hate it. It's I just, just didn't know what the fuck it was, and it, I was annoyed. Right, right.
0: Um, the fact that nobody wrestled more than twice at Starcade was like, yeah, even though it was potential that Sting could have wrestled three matches in a row, and I would have wanted to see that. It's cool that you protected them a bit, and, you know. Flair got the world title now, and it's kicking off this Macho Man and Flair thing that I'm telling you is coming. Things are about to get a little better. Um, Outside of that, though...
1: Anything it? that you hated watching?
0: That I hated watching?
1: Or you just, as you rewatched, you were like, really, they fucking did this shit? Like, I know you've seen it before, and you probably remembered most of it, but anything just... Made you roll your eyes as you had to rewatch it?
0: No, there's nothing that really happened that I didn't remember from before. So it was just like, hell oh, yeah, okay, I remember that. But uh, I'm trying to think if there was anything that really just annoyed me. During this span of time, not really. Okay. Nothing can be worse than, like you said, Hogan with the mask and the sword.
1: So. You seemed to really enjoy that last week, when we t- or last episode when we talked about it.
0: Oh, I knew how bad it was. It was Your reaction to it was what I enjoyed. Most of this I'm doing just to see your reaction to it. I find it hilarious.
1: Um, I'm doing way too many podcasts. I can't keep straight whether it's a monthly podcast or a weekly podcast. I can't remember what the last thing I talked about was. But I enjoy talking wrestling. So you have to excuse me. When I say last week, I mean last month. Because in between this, we are still doing the Smack and Raw podcast. Um, and I also have to produce the Rack and all of his nonsense that you come to enjoy and watch. So, uh, yeah. You got anything else, Travis? Negative. You want to uh, talk about where they can find you?
0: I mean, you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Sir underscore that's a lot. That'd be S I R underscore C-U-S-S-A-L-O-T-T.
1: You can find me on Twitter at Matt Ritter. That is at M-A-T-T-R-I-D-D-E-R. And if you are not already, please go like and subscribe to the Smackin' It Raw podcast on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Or Spotify. Am I missing any?
0: No. Because most okay. of the podcast services just kind of feed off of those. So.
1: Also go check out the Smackin' It Raw Facebook page at Facebook.com slash group slash smackin' raw and go give the creation magazine page a like at facebook.com slash creation magazine. Anything else? That's it. All right. For Sir Cuss-a-Lot Travis Pointer, I am the Warden, Matt Ritter, and this has been your Return to Wrestling.